Now, Asia First on CNA 938. Just before we end on air, we yeah. were asking us uh, each other mm. what we'd used our Skills Future credit for. Uh, and I revealed shamefully that I have not used mine at all. And I revealed after that, also very shamefully, <laughs> I have not used any money. But from, do you yeah. do you plan to do it for use it for something in the future? Now that there are top ups, yeah, the silence means I'm <laughs> still thinking. You know, I I should I should, and I'm sure you're thinking the same. You should I am, as yes, well. And yes. we're trying to figure out what it is mm. that we might want to use our Skills Future credit for. Yeah, and you know, it's it's a tough decision because at first, with just five hundred to a thousand in mm. there, you're wondering, oh, maybe I should use it for something that's I've always wanted to learn, but not necessarily applicable to my job. Correct. Uh, but now that there's this $4,000 top up, <laughs> it makes you wonder, hmm, maybe yeah. I should really seriously yeah. think about it. And indeed, that's been the opinion of many commentators yeah. uh, after the budget was announced. Yeah, no, absolutely. Maybe something that complements what we're doing now. Yeah, or makes it better creating a new role for Correct. yourself within your you current know, company. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and also maybe to not just upskill for the sake of upskilling, mm. but upskilling if you're of the age where you think you might want to, need to mm -hmm. uh, move to a second career. Yeah. I've known of many people who've done that. I know, and know? I find that a very brave thing to do. But yeah. so many questions come to mind and these are some of the questions that we're going to be asking. Our next guest, uh, will just to give you a recap of why we're talking about this, uh, the budget announcement two weeks ago uh, brought into focus upskilling workers. Uh, and in Parliament this week, MPs generally did welcome moves to revise the Skills Future scheme, which includes a $4,000 top-up that we mentioned. Uh, on top of that, there's also a training allowance for some full-time courses. That's right. So they commended the better support for mid-career Singaporeans age 40 years and above, but industry watchers do say that such courses must address the gaps and needs in the job market. I mm. guess that is important, especially if you're, you know, 40, 40 plus. 50. And you still have a bit of a runway to go in your yeah. career, right? Yeah, and you've got family to support. Yeah. So it's got to somehow fit into mm. those goals, right? Yeah, it's, an, it's yeah. indeed a, a landscape, uh, labour landscape transformation that they're gunning for here. Yeah. So how can we then, the target market, uh, ensure that we're taking the right kinds of courses and how can mid-career switchers find the time to juggle their current jobs, attend courses and job hunt after all of that. It's a long and arduous journey, not as straightforward as it sounds. So joining us today to help us with this is Monty Sujanani, Country Manager for Singapore at Robert Walters. It's a uh, recruitment firm. Hi, Monty. Thanks for joining us today. So first and foremost, let's talk about that generous package aimed at mid-career workers with Nudges to pursue AI. We spoke with uh, Minister Indrani Raja recently on Asia First about where some of these sectors they would be nudged towards. And we hear AI, we hear sustainability. But are these sectors attractive to mid-career workers? Hi, Andrea. Hi, Susan. Um, you know what? That's a, that's a very good question. You know, these are buzzwords that we hear, like AI and sustainability. Mm. I mean, if we take a step back, right, and we could see, you know, the clients that we work with are all still going through, you know, digital transformation journey, including Singapore itself, which has actually led to 
you know, high demand for professionals in, in technology, including areas like AI. Um, you know, we look at sustainability. It's been such an increasingly focus, uh, such a focus area for many industries. So for sure, we will see employers pull out all stops to attract them, right? Because there's an increased uh, demand for talent. Mm. So then when you look at like mid-career workers, uh, is it attractive? I mean, it's so attractive to be a part of something that's up and coming, something that's trending. So it's already an incentive to grow their skill sets, right? So upskilling and reskilling in areas where they can make these contributions will eventually improve job security, which is something that we've seen a lot of professionals value in their current jobs. So when we polled um, uh, job seekers and on our, in our recent salary survey, 38% um, will not negotiate a salary increase due to the fear of job security. So we're really starting to see more of these mid-career workers um, accept these general pack these these generous packages that you talk about because they are attractive. You know, um, there are a lot of opportunities out there, so it gives them a competitive edge over others. Uh, so yeah, definitely, I think there's 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 a lot of attraction um, for mid-career workers to be part of areas like AI and sustainability. It's also about learning a whole new skill, isn't it, Monty? I mean, it sounds very exciting, but for some, it's not easy. So let's take someone who's not uh, from a non-tech sector, deciding to take on AI, which is rather technical because, you know, that's where the jobs are. It might be a huge task to learn something completely out of what they know best. Maybe it doesn't even seem feasible at the time. So what are some of the challenges that are faced by these mid-career workers wanting to pursue jobs in industries where they see prospects? Sure. So it's a good question. I mean, there, there are several challenges that mid-career workers will face, right? So you talked about going from a non-tech to a very technical area, and that essentially will take up a fair bit of time mm. to pick up these new skills. So I think firstly, it's making sure that, you know, identifying the right training opportunity out there would even give them the, the, the time and the opportunity to develop these new skills and move successfully within their careers or within this mid-career switch. Um, you know, I'll just give you an example, right? So we, we partnered with a training academy um, about a couple of years ago, and we launched an upskilling program um, for cybersecurity, relatively technical uh, for mid-career workers. Um, this was at a time where, again, there was a shortage of skill sets in cybersecurity. Um, and we had a variety of mid-career workers who signed up, some from a commercial background who had this drive, this, this, this motivation to take up these technical skill sets. Um, they got certified. And we were able to place, not all of them, to be honest, we were able to place a handful. And it was quite refreshing to see the hunger, or the appetite for someone who may not be from a non-technical background to pick it up. And there are so many uh, non-intangible skills that are also picked up through these upskilling, which may seem daunting at the beginning when you know, when you take up something that's so outside your scope to when you finish your upskilling program, whatever that may be, because again, it's, you know, it's not just the technical skills that you pick up. There's so many things along the upskilling journey that you also pick up. Mm. There's also the question, Monty, of uh, the prospects themselves. I mean, we go through uh, this long journey of uh, and long and mentally fatiguing journey of upskilling. And uh, yes, we learn new uh, we learn new skills along the way, uh, even when we don't come from a familiar background. Uh, but then, you know, we're seen as fresh grads in a way when it comes to the skills. I mean, how 
can mid-careers workers then set themselves apart uh, among the sea of other fresh graduates who have graduate graduated from relevant uh, relevant fields? I guess what I'm asking is, uh, it's about competition ultimately at the end of the day, right? Like, how are we going to set ourselves apart uh, from other workers who may have had a longer time training in a specific vocation compared to mid-career workers who have undergone a, a, a very brief spell of upskilling? So I think there, you know, there are a lot of benefits when you look at someone who's doing a mid-career switch versus um, a fresh grad. No, no better or worse. They're just different backgrounds, different journeys that that one may have gone through. So, for example, someone who may have had, you know, fifteen to twenty years of work experience uh, may have picked up uh, several other skills um, in their workplace, which maybe a fresh grad may not necessarily have, just because of the lack of work experience. So at the end of the day, I think we need to take a step back and understand what employers are really looking for. Are they looking for somebody who can come in um, with the, you know, it may be a minimal sort of technical background, but has that that drive to pick up new skills? Because again, we talk about uh, the softer skills, right? Wanting to learn something says a lot about someone who's taking that risk. You know, you mentioned being brave. This is such a brave move for somebody in a mid-career to to take that plunge and, you know, take a risk from doing something they're familiar with into unfamiliar territory versus a fresh grad who is just used to studying this, but then not maybe being best suited to impart certain things in the workspace. So again, there are pros and cons. And I think at the end of the day, it really just depends on what the employer is looking for and what they're trying to achieve from a long-term perspective. Another concern is something that, you know, people need to think about. It's reality. It's about pay. So you have a $4,000 top up. There's also a monthly allowance. All of this helps. The reality is perhaps a new job in a new sector, you know, may not match my current salary. Uh, mid-career workers. We talked about this. You have families to look mm. after. You've got mortgage to pay. You even have your parents to take care of. So they may have to struggle for some time, uh, start from somewhere near the bottom. So, you know, how can we address some of this? No, well, you know, it's pay is always going to be a concern, right? Yeah. But interestingly, uh, so based on we when we did our, our Robert Walter salary survey for 2024, we actually found that expectations of professionals, whether they are currently in a job or looking for a new one, have evolved. So salary is not only the is not the only consideration, right? For mm. for when it comes to looking for a new job. Again, the main factors that have come up include things like flexible working arrangements, mm. excellent benefits, enhanced well-being strategies. So we're seeing more job seekers, again, whether it's mid-career switch or not, switch shifting their 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 main driver away from uh, salary. But absolutely, indeed, to your question, right? We're talking about matching current pay or mid-career workers having to, you know, they they will need to take a little bit of a pay cut. At the end of the day, they need to see the long-term benefits, right? What are they going to gain out of the upskilling or or the reskilling? Um, you know, this investment in time, and you know, is there a chance that they may need to take a, you know, a step back, you know, take one step back to move two steps forward? Uh, and all of these things have there are so many underlying factors. But again, when we look at the market and we're looking at what are driving people, interestingly, as I said, it's salaries now not the 
the the top one and it's starting to be you know other things that are mm. that are also uh you know adding to why people would move jobs so we're actually educating employers that who are looking to attract these mid-career workers mm. you know take a more proactive adaptable approach um to address these evolving dynamics of the of the job market look at benefits look at well-being look at various ways to attract um, these mid-career workers as well to, to join their companies, right? Have have clear career paths, mm. uh, review, you know, what they can do next. Are there any other areas that they can support these uh, mid-career workers to further reskill or further upskill them in their jobs? So, um, but yeah, you know, again, the pay, pay is always something that's on, on everyone's minds. Mm. Uh, but there's so many ways to combat that 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 question or, yeah. or that, that mm. focus area. Right. Just a final question to wrap up our conversation here, Monty. Um, how can upskilled mid-career employees uh, then negotiate and navigate the job landscape after undergoing those studies? Uh, should they look internally or start fresh with a new company and, uh, as a strategy? And what if internal opportunities aren't available? I mean, it boils down to, I guess, uh, being attractive once again to the open market, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if you ask me what would be I guess the, the more easier, the straightforward, uh, the straightforward uh, route would mm. be internally, um, especially, you know, if their employers are invested in their employees upskilling, uh, it shows their, you know, uh, it shows also that when an employee wants to, wants to uh, upskill themselves, the appetite to learn, take risks, as we, we mentioned earlier on. Um, so I would, I would, again, based on some of the, the successful mid-career switches we've seen is to, to start internally. Mm. Now, if internal options are not available, then they may need to understand that, you know, to start afresh, work their way up, um, identify organizations that are willing to give them an opportunity who could see past their qualifications, look at the potential, you know, to grow and to, and to develop. Mm. And that will likely be SMEs and startups, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, uh, AI and sustainability sectors. You know, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's going to be related to the size of the organization. I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, regardless of whether it's a startup, SME or multinational, who's willing to, you know, fill these gaps, who, who need uh, to, I, to curb this, this, this talent shortage um, that would give these opportunities to the mid to, to mid-career workers who, who have the passion, right? Mm. I think passion is is so mm. difficult to sometimes find and quantify, uh, but be able to identify organizations who are willing to invest and then take that take that leap of faith. Uh, you know, I, I think, again, we're talking to more employers now who are looking to invest in reskilling and upskilling their existing employees because, you know, it's hard to find talent in, in areas like AI. It's hard mm. to find talent in sustainability. So, you know, what to do. And, and it's great that, you know, with the recent budget announcement with the further upskilling credits, I think it's such a great initiative. Um, you know, I'm looking at also what I'm going to do to upskill myself. You, know? <laughs> you you and us are three, right? <laughs> Monty. Yeah, no, it's uh, no, it's exciting. Mm. I think it's very exciting for, for, for yeah. mid-career switches at this I, time. I think it's uh, really striking while the iron is hot. Yeah. I think that's Absolutely. the key to all of yeah. this and really ensuring that you have also to add to that mileage in your so-called next career, That's that adjustment right. buffer period. That's right. uh, Monty, you have been uh, an excellent conversationalist. Uh, we really wanted uh, the clarity and we got it from you. So thank you very much uh, for spending time with us today. No worries. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Monty Sujanani, Country Manager for Singapore at Robert Walters. 